Welcome back for another episode of Growing With My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined as always by an amazing panel. I'm going to pass it over first to Spartan Grown. Welcome. Thanks, Jack. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me at Spartan Grown on Instagram, all one word with no spaces. And if you don't do the social medias, you can uh, just send me an email at spartangrown at gmail.com. I'm both an organic farmer at home and a synthetic farmer at work, so I can help you out either one. Glad to have you back. It's pretty crazy to see that before I could even have the YouTube like loaded, we've already got Smot Poker and Rowdy420 and uh, Crack Babies, uh, TWC, a few others already in the chat, like firing it off. I'm like going over to click over to live chat and there's already like five messages. It's crazy. Uh, loyal, faithful listeners. Very, very happy to have you back. Uh, but next up, Kyle Breeder. Hey, everybody. Uh, yeah, Kyle Breeder here. Uh, my new website is up and running, which is purebreeding.com. And uh, I am, I don't know if I made a post earlier. I don't know if you guys have all seen it, but uh, I have our first, Pure Breeding's first reg seed drop happening on uh, 1231 at 10 a.m. Eastern time. It's a Cinderella 99 by uh, New England Rock Candy. So that should be really, it's a really beautiful project that I was on. Um, but yeah, uh, Pure Breeding on all social media platforms, Pure underscore breeding on Instagram. And uh, feel free to reach out if anybody has any questions. Seed person one says they just dropped an ace of spades. So I'm not sure if that's one of yours or. Uh... Yeah, me and uh, that's me and uh, uh, Noob Automatics, me and Dan. So yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Keep me, po- you know, everyone tells me how good stuff is, and no one ever sends me pictures. <laughs> so I don't know, but send pics. My last few runs, I've been guilty. I've been very lazy about taking and posting photos. Uh, my Instagram is proof of that. It hasn't made any posts there in a long time. But with that said. Next up, Dr. MJ. Yeah, thank you, Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. I am excited to start popping my own seeds here. We got like two weeks, a little bit less than two weeks until the New Year's Grow Challenge on New Year's Day. So go over, sign up, everybody at CocoForCannabis.com forward slash challenge. Got a big giveaway a couple weeks in and it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm excited to be here and happy holidays to everybody. Hope it's a good show. Happy to have you back. <laughs> Almost yelling into the mic because I'm coughing. Sorry about that. Uh, I was going to say that I'll try and join this year, but every single year I say that I end up not having time. But uh, I do encourage people to join over at uh, CocoForCannabis.com and do the grow along. I know that we just had a full moon, so a lot of people are uh, popping some seeds if they're like myself or just uh, you know happen to line up anyway. But next up, we've got Matthew Gates. Yeah. Hey, everyone. This is Matthew Gates. I'm a IPM specialist. that stands for Integrate Pest Management. I uh, recently did a deep dive, a video on Instagram at Sync Angel, um, but I also uh, edited it and I posted it on my YouTube, which is almost two hours of a deep dive for viroids. I know a lot of people are asking about how plant viroids function, especially the hop latent viroid in cannabis. So if you're interested in getting some basic priming information, I go over a lot of details there in that video. That's on my YouTube channel, Zenthanol, which is the same channel that I'm communicating in the chat with. Was that like an introduction to viroid, I think is what I saw it labeled? Yeah, I labeled it as an intro to viroids with an emphasis on hoplite and viroid. But um, uh, having said that, there's a lot that we don't understand about viroids, but there's also a lot that we do. So I'm trying to give as much information as I understand and also uh, that, that it exists currently in updated research and literature and that kind of a thing. They're pretty fascinating uh, replicates. 
is a very interesting science. I know we've talked about it here on the show, but I know you go a lot more into detail about the science and uh, everything over there. So I do encourage people to check that out when they have the time. Uh, next up, I believe is last but not least is the American one. Hello, Jack and panel and everyone in chat. I'm the American one uh, on YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG. And uh, yeah, it's always good to be here and uh, I'm looking forward to tonight. Excellent. I do think I may have skipped Brandon. Brandon, did I give you an opportunity to introduce yourself yet? It's all good, brother. No worries. Um, I'm Brandon Rust. You can find me on IG at rust.brandon. And there's a link to my in my bio to my company, Bokashi Earthworks. You can always kind of see what I've got going on through those channels and my website, bokashieearthworks.com. I actually uh, am getting very low on my amino not my amino N plus, uh, my micro plus, but I have another sample bottle that you sent me. And I think it is labeled like something plus iron. So I definitely have to reread the messages. Uh, you know that what that is? That's a bacillus subtilis and trichoderma with a iron humic, uh, iron fulvic carrier. So what I did was I, I did a fermentation with the two species but before i added the species in the complex carbohydrate i first added the fulvic acid to the water and then i added the iron into the water the iron sulfate and then i added the complex carbohydrate the microbes the two microbe spores uh to make a you know just a little consortium that's main focus is to help bring up the iron levels, right? Because iron's a photosynthetic nutrient and a lot of times, all the time, every single time that I've ever took in uh, tissue um, and uh, sap analysis, iron and copper are always low. And it's because of the redox potential, what happens to them like uh, from a chemical standpoint in the, the soil. And so helping to increase the iron availability was the purpose of that product. Um, and I never really uh, did a whole, whole lot of like side by tests, side bys and stuff with it. I, I used it a little bit and I saw, um, I saw some improvement on the um, iron uptake, but yeah, that's what that was geared for that specific uh, bottle. Definitely interested to put it to use because I'm just re-amending some soil. I got my worm castings. I'm waiting on some uh, micros and other stuff. I think your mic might be over over there, Kyle. I'm hearing some echo in the background. But, no worries. Uh, no worries, unless you wanted to jump in there. But uh, I'm definitely, like I said, uh, just uh, looking forward to trying that because I, like Dr. MJ was talking about, I'm just about to get started on a new grow here pretty soon. Uh, I was waiting to re-amend some soil, as I probably mentioned on few episodes in the past and i wanted to uh ask you about that brandon because i definitely remember getting it from you and i just haven't been able to put it to use yet so i um i'm curious to see how uh it might be able to help especially with a uh, reminded soil i kind of use like the build a soil method where he has the craft blend uh jeremy he's like the main guy over there and then he also has like a i think it's called like the big six like uh, micronutrients plus uh humic or fulvic acid and basically with a uh, little bit of that and then some worm castings and 
also uh, a little bit of Spartan grown secret sauce with the, what is it? Um, it smells terrible. Everybody thinks at least um, insect frass, <laughs> a few other things, but uh, yeah, remembering with that, plus a little bit of uh, Brandon's uh, secret juju over there. Uh, I think it'll bring some good results. So I'm, I'm looking forward to starting things back up again, but uh, Spartan grown, what do you got going on for the winter? I know you were just talking a little bit before the show about, uh, some of Brandon's gear that you've got going on. So maybe we could uh, let the listeners in on that. Yeah, I've got so much. I'm doing a, first of all, let me start out with saying I fucked up. So I fucked up and, uh, I put a new flower. I put a new veg light in my veg room. I put in a, a B spec from HLG. And, uh, when I did that, I, <laughs> So I had two, I had two lights in there originally, and I had one set to a flower cycle because it was a, because it was a stronger light. So it was only on for 12 hours, but the other light, which was a hundred watt light that I had from spectrum King, I believe I had that on the veg cycle. So I was hitting with a shit ton of light for 12 hours and then give them a break with just a little bit of light to keep the light cycle. And I've done that forever, but uh, I finally upgraded my light to a, proper light i put one b spec and took all the lights out of there in there so it's just one b spec and i plugged it into the flower light cycle instead of the fucking veg light cycle so i flowered my entire veg so now i'm re-vegging them i'm going to just take cuts i'm I'm actually tomorrow i'm probably going to be taking cuts of everything and cloning them and then run clones against what's in there to see what can go faster um, but yeah, so I'm going to reset my flower room. It's going to give me a chance to, I'm perpetual. So normally I don't ever have a chance of there not being anything in the flower room. So this last flower cycle I have, um, once I get that out of there, I'm just going to redesign and clean up and maybe upgrade some stuff. So that's exciting. I'm kind of, so I'm kind of winding down and, uh, to give me that time. So I'm resetting my veg and then, uh, in my flower, the last flower cycle that's going right now, I have, uh, Limelights from Brandon. I have one of those going. I have two Finos of the from 2020 Mendocino, the Snow Cane version twos, where they used my selection from the F1s to uh well one half of it is my selection. They have the other half. Anyway, those are smelling nice, both unique as well from each other. So that's cool. So I'm gonna have to figure out which one I like better after smoking it. And then I have a a new strain that was passed to me from, um, I'm just going to say a buddy in Florida and, uh, it's called the uh, orange dream haze and it's an impressive fucking plant, man. It's a, a sativa. Uh, I've grown it one time before and it, uh, it just died. The first plant I've ever grown that just died on me. I think it was some kind of a root pathogen or something, but I mean, it literally just withered up, like, like dried out, even though it had water on this on the stem i've never had a plan to do that to me the only thing i can assume is that it's a root rot or something so i took that plant and just wheeled that planter out into the uh into just a, another space just to on the other side of the basement just to you know i was disgusted with it so i just pushed it off to the side and literally every time i walked past it for a month i could smell oranges i'm like what in the fuck and so i started breaking off little nugs of it and throwing it in my runs of RSO just to get a bigger turt profile. And, you know, like I like to get that full spectrum oil, but then I got interested because as I was breaking them off, it smelled so fucking good. So I said, fuck this. I'm smoking it. So I trimmed it up. I mean, this thing came down in week six, I think. So super early 
and uh i smoked that thing and uh it smokes fine it smokes smooth uh it tastes fucking great and it's very like sativa type high where it's just uh it's like it doesn't give you any sedation just puts me in like kind of a good mood so now i'm it's supposed to be about a nine weeker a nine week uh sativa strain so still fast sativa um, so I only got her six weeks and she was still feeling pretty good. So I cannot fucking wait. And I still have that plant down there. I still got, I'm still breaking nugs off it. It's still super orangey. And I, I just let it die on the vine. I didn't give it any kind of special treatment or dry cure, whatever. It just, I don't know. It was really fucking cool. So I can't wait to get this one, which is looking fine now. And we're into a week, I don't know, close to about the same time it died last time. It looks fine. So then we're going to get to the finish line with it. And I'm excited to smoke that shit. Um, it just and it grows super fast. It's like it went in small. It went in as the smallest plant, and it's the biggest plant in, in their room too. It's just like super fast, super hard eater. It may have ran out of nutrients now that I think about it. Maybe it just was so fucking fast. It just was eating the shit out of everything in that fucking pot. And I don't feed in flower. And then uh, what's the other plants like? I'm sorry, I'm getting long winded here. Um, no, it's okay. <laughs> there's one more. There's another plant. I'm just trying. Oh, I have my Bliss Bud Three going in there. And I have next to that a, a new pheno of Sparkle Face. So it's not the outdoor pheno. This is one I popped indoor. And uh, so I'm excited, excited to see what that does. It's way smaller. Well, I put that one in the same planner as my Bliss Bud, and Bliss Bud just fucking bullied the shit out of it. So I've got a clone going in veg. I'll, I'll give it another chance. But uh, it's kind of a small plant, which surprised me because outdoors it was fucking great. How long was your beast back? Uh- veg in flower for before you realize that they were in like two weeks man they're full budding full buddy i go in there i'm like what the fuck is going on and then it's like oh you dumbass fucking everything's budding i've got shit in solo cups budding (laughs) so yeah that's gonna be a hard reset man Uh, i'm gonna pop some seeds too probably here so um I might have just seedlings running my next thing. Who knows? We're going to just, you're just going to plant count it out. I'm going to maximize plant count after this harvest comes down. And I'm just going to pick the four best and throw them in flower. It's, it's quick. There'll be short plants, but why not? I hear it's a little easier to reveg like the clone uh, than it is like a large plant. Um, but it, it just depends because you haven't like harvested it like a normal plant would be for well, they're not even right? large. So. The biggest, the biggest one was in a one gallon pot. And it might have been interesting. Might have been 18 inches tall is maybe the biggest plant. Kyle, you've got a ton of reveg experience. What would you uh, say? How how long is he looking at? You said I think in the past it's roughly as long as you went in. That's how long it'll take to turn around. Or um, what yeah, do you think I'd about that's that? a pretty yeah. I'd say that's a pretty basic range. Unless you go uh, straight to 24 hour, then you can speed that up by like 30 percent more than what the 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 time in would be. I do that then. I'll just fucking. I'll, after the show, I'm gonna go down there and just plug them right directly into the wall. Yeah. Right out of the, I would just want to have them in the timers. It's a good idea. I didn't even think about that. Just right at 24. I'm glad I asked because I know that you have legitimately messed around with three vegging stuff, uh, firsthand experience more than most other people that I've talked to. So uh, it's good insight that'll decrease the amount of time, and it makes sense. I guess uh, it's like, oh, oh shit, it's fucking lights on all the time. I'm gonna try and veg now, and not have any time to rest and you know do my flower thing. So. I hope that it turns around well for you, Spartan. I have faith that you will be able to get through this. Oh, I'm uh, not even mad. I just, I'm taking it in stride and it's, I'm using, I'm going to 
I'm going to make a positive or negative and turn it into a positive. It's going to give me a chance to pop new genetics right now too, that I couldn't do. And I also spent the weekend cleaning out my four by eight tent, which I set up, you know, when you get a veg light, it frees up another light and might, might as well use that light. Right. So now I got a four by eight tent that I'm uh, going to use half of it. I'm going to use one half just to like clone and, and then just put like the temperature, you know, the HVAC we'll call it, you know, heater. And, and I don't think I'll have to worry about cooling, but fans, and then on the other side, I'll just have a four by four and I'm just going to run some uh, autos and cocoa and just going to run some synthetics. I've got a bunch of like free sample bullshit piled up down there and I just want to get rid of it. And I don't want to dump it out. I always kept it for maybe gardening, but you know what? Why not just run autos and, and some cocoa and just fucking use that shit up? I don't see any problem with that. I mean, uh, put it to good use. I've still got some cocoa and some uh, nutrients from some old runs and some free samples as well. And kind of hang on to it as a, you know, sometimes with supply shortages, it's like, you never know. Right. So it's nice to be able to have a little something. And uh, if you just feel like changing it up a little bit, experimenting with something new, who knows, maybe one of those things might blow you away with how well it does, or uh, even the genetics that you grow that you weren't expecting. I'm all for popping new seeds as often yeah. as possible. I think there's so much good shit out there and just, well, that's another thing. Stuff. That's another thing that people, the, another strength of the autoflower is especially for my situation when I have plant counts to deal with, I don't have to worry about a mother plant or a clone. So that's two plants I don't have to fuck with. I can just pop a seed. I don't have to worry about cloning it or fuck. So it's low stress. And I just pop the, however, my, whatever I need to fill my plant count. You know what I mean? If I have a space for two, three plants, I'll pop two, three, and then just get them to harvest, chop them down and reset and just pop more seeds. It's, and I'm really going to, um, I've got a bunch of genetics from 2020 Mendocino. So I think I'm going to start with uh, some other stuff. Definitely uh, some really killer genetics from 2020. Um, Dr. MJ, I know that you're only with us for the first hour. So I'm curious. I know you're about to uh, start popping some new seeds, as you mentioned. Uh, did you say which genetics are going to be starting off with? And are you doing autos or are you going to be growing photos? Probably going to be growing photos. And no, I haven't decided yet. I've I've been talking to a couple of people about maybe running some seeds. I don't know. Um, it's still open, but I got to make up my mind pretty soon because it's like in 13 days. Let's uh, do this, you know, a little bit live. If, if I had to, you know, you know <laughs> you question you on the spot. Me. Yeah, there you if, go, Jack. No, not, not force you to pop the seeds, but, you know, if you were forced to make a selection or even just consider one, like, do you have a top three or top five? You've got a seed vault somewhere sitting around that you're like, you know, I'm scratching my head thinking this might sound good. Oh, yeah, I have a big, I have a bag of seeds in my refrigerator, my, my cooler full of seeds. Um and there's some things in there that I always, I always wouldn't mind growing, but I am thinking about running something new maybe, but I got to get on it. Like I said, because it's like less than two weeks. Um, I don't know what I would go with from my current stash. I'd hunt around maybe a white widow, maybe something. Um, oh, maybe I'd grow out with some new England rock candy. I still have new England rock candy seeds. So um, I also, I was just thinking about that too. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should grow out of New England rock candy. I also have um, the Afghan cherry seeds. I was just smoking some Afghan cherries the other day too. And I'll tell you, like, I mean, there were two plants today when I grew that last time. And I mean, one of them was much better than the other one. And so I didn't smoke much the other one. And I saw jars and jars of it left over. Um, and now that I haven't had a harvest since like, 
March or April. I had a, my last harvest was in April. So I'm kind of like finding my way back into some of these jars that have been kicking around for a while. And that now, like, I don't know, it's been two years, almost two years. Um, that Afghan cherries is like really a happy, feel good high. I was really liking it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think it was Chef. Well, Chef and I've gotten some people from other people that have like had, uh, I don't remember what, some kind of arthritis. Or, I don't remember what, they're, they're having issues sleeping, him and his wife. And I've, I've gotten a few emails from random people saying that like, it's just helped with like pain. It's helped with like, like you said, it's just, uh, just all different kind of uh, people just had really good responses with that cannabinoid. There definitely were different though. Um, and it was such an interesting plant. I was pulling it apart again, like the whole flower structure and the, the Afghan cherries was really interesting. Um, kind of a high leaf ratio, but really dense flowers. It was really kind of a, a pain in the ass to trim, but in the end, um, and especially now, I'm like really glad. I only got like one jar of that left now, and I'm like, ooh, this is good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ration this a little bit more. I still got the mother too. My my uh, my best friend has it. I don't have the cut, but the, the original cut that created everything is uh, still alive. So I might okay. have to dive back in there. And New England rock candy was for a while that was just sort of like my everyday smoke. I really liked it um, until I started burning through it all. I still have like two nugs of it. I, I'm one of these people. I I really have a hard time. I know Jack like saves a nug from all his his stuff into like his 420 celebration. Like I save a nut like the last nug from like every plant I've ever grown. Almost I like have a hard time smoking the last of it. So um, that's what I'm down to with the New England rock candies now. I think I like two nugs. It's really cool, man. I've heard like people like uh, someone that Spartan knows is like somehow smoking on it and reached out to me like people like are, somehow it's gotten around because I've been like someone's uncle's brother's cousin has a cut. I don't even know how they got a cut from somewhere. And it's just, like everyone's uh, it, 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 and I'm actually doing a so I have like 75 clones of rock candy because they were going to go somewhere, but things kind of changed. But uh, I'm going to be doing making another version of them soon because uh, it's just been I think you said probably around two years since I've had them available so i think it's, it's gonna be a good thing yeah well it's like two years ago that we got this the the seeds then we grew them out in that new year's yeah. grow challenge in what was that 29 20 2020 new year's grow challenge well, so, yeah, I, I, I ran out shortly after so i mean yeah yeah i'm not supposed um so yeah maybe i'll do that i don't know i like i'm keeping my options a little bit open i I'm, i am thinking i'm just gonna go in a four by four tent I was thinking about setting up a five by five for the New Year's Go Challenge, but I think I'm going to go with the four by four tent, and I don't entirely know what else I'm going to do with that. But I already have a four by four tent, so that makes that part easier. When you set up the four by four, do you just condition the room outside of it and leave everything outside of it, and just like maximize that four four by four space, or do you have to squeeze equipment in there too? We got to squeeze the light. Um, well, yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah, but no. <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. It's where my, my other tent now is set up in the spare bedroom. Um, and I imagine I'll continue to use that room for the four by four. Although I do also have a lot of space in my office, but I don't like having it now that once I moved that tent out to the spare bedroom, I was like, so happy to get it out of here. Um, so yeah, I, that room is climate controllable and, you know, 
we've talked about the weather here. I live in North San Diego County and it's pretty much a matter of, of sort of occasionally opening the window. I imagine when it gets hotter right now, it's like nothing. It's fine. It gets a little bit too chilly um, for them during the day a couple of times. So it's getting, but really not during our day, which is their night. Um, and it could be warmer at night. Um, but other than that, there's not really a big issue with conditioning there. It's pretty much perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> Jack, your shirt is fucking me up today, man. Is that a space shirt or something? It's got stars on it. Um, I don't know. My wife just got it for me. There's also a penguin on it, though. So I don't know why he's oh, doing I didn't space. See this. Okay. I was lost in space the whole time. <laughs> he's just trailing over here. But <laughs> All right, I see him now. But yeah, as far as, um, damn, I, I lost my thought. We were just talking about Dr. MJ's. Oh, we, so you guys were talking about tents and he said the equipment that has to be in there is a light. And I kind of like laughed at that. But then I see AC Infinity is now making lights. And I think one of them has like a little square cut out of the center. And, um, you know, it's because I don't think they need it. And maybe that wasn't AC Infinity, but I know that they're making tents now. And it made me think like, are we going to get to a point where tents are going to start having lights that are built literally to be fixed at the very top of the tent and they almost will like form a seal that perfectly fills the entire space with however many diodes they need per that grow space because ac infinity makes the tent they make the light they make the right. fan yeah. so they'll they'll know be pretty nice, man. that would be awesome though because i mean i i don't know about other people but i struggle i don't struggle but it's kind of a pain in the ass to get that light to to be literally like within a half an inch or an inch to the top of that tank because of the poles that are hanging down three inches below where you build the, the kit, you know? So like if they could have something like that, that'd be pretty, pretty sweet where it's like, how, how badass if the diodes were actually in the, the actual ceiling. Yeah. Plug the freaking tent in. I wouldn't want be... them necessarily in the cloth, but yeah, I, I'm liking this idea of mounting a light right at the ceiling, seal the rest of it and have an extraction fan come out through the metal. Yeah. I am a, a nerd who raises and lowers his light. Uh, I know that a lot of people like to put it up to the top and just let it, you know, you can use a dimmer and like crank it or dial it down. Uh, but I do see the benefit of hanging it at a perfect hanging height. But I do think that if you made the tent a certain size, you know, if it's a four, you know, five or six foot tall tent, you could with the LEDs now and the, you know, limited amounts of loss, they're so efficient and the reflection is so efficient that I think and in the smaller tents, maybe it would even work in the bigger tents. But I don't know, but yeah. it's going to be really interesting if they start yeah. going. with. It would work better in bigger tents. Yeah. The whole idea of ceiling mounting your lights it works fine as long as you have enough light and either a big enough space like a huge warehouse or reflective walls totally surrounding your space. But when you have a light that distributes the light well, like a bar array or one of these square shaped fixtures, and, and you're getting it right out to the edge, like the fixture itself runs wall to wall inside your tent, the light's already well distributed. And it pretty much doesn't matter how high you hang the light at that point. It doesn't really change the PPFD. Like, because if you think about having like a, a sensor, I don't know, three feet underneath the light that's like wall to wall inside a tent, right? it's getting a lot of light pretty much equally from all of the bars. And the light's gonna be spread out really evenly inside that space. So no matter where you had that sensor, like in the middle or out towards the edge or something, it would be pretty much the same density. And there's always gonna be a little bit of a drop off as you move towards the edges. But as you move the sensor closer to the light, 
you get it closer to some of the LEDs and the angle from the others becomes worse. So as you get more light from some of the LEDs, you get less light from others. And it, it basically, that's one way to think about it. it. It won't change the total amount of density that's hitting any spot within that area. Um, the other way to think about it is like once the light's perfectly spread out, there's no place else for it to go other than sort of like back towards the middle again. Um, you know, normally when we raise a light, the only reason that the density decreases is because the density spreads out towards the edges. So as you raise a light and, and there's like, say, not enough light, then the hotspot from the middle will go down, but the edges will actually start going up as they're able to get more light from the whole fixture instead of sort of a bad angle being over against a, a fixture that's really low to them. Um, Interesting. Did you see the recent uh, Migro Sandlight review that he did where he got three fixtures from them and he tested all three of them in a five by five? No, I didn't see that. Uh, it was interesting to me because I think he angled the ones on the outside slightly in and uh, got a really fantastically, like it was like a 2.55 um, reading at the canopy when he did the, with the far red boost and everything, but it was a interesting review for sure. But um, I wanted to do a little bit of a breakneck change to some IPM stuff because I got a good review from one of our listeners. I won't say their name. I believe that they're in a red state, but they used the amazing Dr. Zymes as well as a predator might. I can't recall exactly which one, um, but I want to say Neocilius cucumers perhaps or um, Californicus, but it got rid of their spider mites. So uh, hats off to them and cheers to you on your victory and uh, getting over one of those pests that a lot of people get really frustrated with. And I've even seen some people, you know, restart their entire grow over spider mites. So Cheers to you on beating that. And I wanted to pass it over to Matthew Gates, maybe get a, a little bit of a IPM update and see if uh, there's any new and pressing information or just, a, you know, I know that we talked a little bit last week about how things are coming in from outside right now. And uh, what are you seeing on the IPM front? Well, you know, uh, I did do, I did make that video like I talked about recently. And, um, you know, because of that bias, I think that that's been on my mind quite a bit. Um, one of the one of the things actually that I felt was uh, really interesting to find out, and actually has been actually published research from a couple of years ago, but people don't talk about it often. Um, the venerable Kevin McKernan shared it on on uh, his Instagram. I was and, just about to bring that up. I was literally pulling it up on Instagram as you were. That's crazy. No, it's not crazy, Jack. It's the algorithm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, no, but it's true. Uh, I'm sure you saw the same thing I did, which was that, um, which I put in my video as well. Because uh, I had actually looked at it when I was looking up all of the, for the viral research that I could and the payoff for everyone who's wondering what they're talking about is uh, viroids can be transmitted not just through plants, but apparently uh, plant pathogenic fungi as well and cyanobacteria. And um, this is pretty interesting because for a long, long time, um, since viroids have been discovered, they're basically only really known in plant hosts. And um, people can make the argument that um, uh, hepatitis D is like a viroid with an encapsulation, but um, I think that's maybe a little semantic um, because there's also RNA viruses too. But uh, I just, I, I wanna talk a little bit about viroids for those who might be curious if you think that's useful. No, I think it's absolutely useful. And um, 
I'm struggling a little bit to find his post because he has multiple pages of medicinal genomics as well as Kevin McKernan. And he also posts some like political stuff that's not at all uh, cannabis or science related. So I'm trying to make sure that I don't share some stuff that will get the people all heated up in the chat unnecessarily. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it should be a recent post. Um, I think it might also might be on his uh, personal account. Well, I have it on my YouTube channel. Uh, I could share screen if you're having trouble. Yeah, I've uh, got the share screen enabled for anybody. So if you find it before I do, the one that I saw and was actually thinking of, there was a plant with like um, hole punches taken out of it. And then he had written up some stuff, but the, there's also a more recent one that looks like uh, some sort of study. It says symptomatic plant viroid infections in phytopathogenic fungi. That's um, it. Yeah. So that is definitely an uh, interesting post that they made as well. Um, I'm not able to find the other one that I was talking about with the hole punch right now, but we could definitely talk about that. And um, if you want me to, I could share the screen and we could have a little discussion about that. Yeah, absolutely. Here, I'll do right. that here. For those who don't know, Kevin McKernan, 73, is the guy who runs medicinal genomics. They do um, not only like cannabis sex testing, but also genomic sequencing. He's done like the Jamaican lion, which uh, helped break one of those big sweeping patents that I talked about in the past, um, because people were trying to claim that if it was like a type two plant, which is like a CBD dominant, and it had any terpene that was uh, like not mercine that they claimed it under this patent. And this actually was something that broke it, but um, he shares tons of good scientific information about cannabis. And I think this was a very interesting update on what we've kind of all been learning more about, I think this year with the thyroid. So, um, so basically here I have this, uh, the, the video in front, you guys can see it, right? Oh, I need to stop sharing, I think, so that you can share. Oh, I see, I see. Oh, I see you. So there we go. Yeah, so this is just taken from the video. Um, I'll just, I could seek through the video here. Um, I do have it set up so that different sections are uh, uh, viewable, so you can kind of be particular, because it's kind of long. I don't expect people to, to listen to somebody talking to them for two hours straight necessarily about such a dry subject. Um, but, uh, uh, basically, you know, for those who don't know, um, viroids are these really interesting things. Sometimes they've been just called subviral or they've gone, uh, you know, they're, they're virus like and, and such like this. So the main difference between a viroid and a virus is that, um, a viroid doesn't have like a capsid, which is this protein coating that a lot of viruses have that protects them. Um, obviously there are proteins that make up the capsid, but, uh, RNA or, but rather viroids are really interesting because they're basically just a weirdly, um, folded in RNA strand, which basically means that they don't encode for any genes at all. So like viruses even have genes, right? They're, they're, uh, you know, genes that they code for when they replicate. And then when they take over a cell. Uh, they get the cell to make those parts basically for them, right? Through replication and, and, and all that translation um, machinery. But um, and I'm trying to be, I'm trying not to be too technical here, <laughs> trying, to, trying to paint a picture without being super technical. But basically the virus goes in, uh, it's uh, genetic material, whether it's an RNA virus or a DNA virus, 
basically gets co-opted by the cellular machinery, it replicates itself, that or that stuff does. And then you got more viruses and then uh, through various ways, depending on the kind of virus, it gets to other cells. Um, plants are interesting because plant cells are all connected through the plasmodesmata, uh, which is theorized to be how viroids get through. So viroids don't even have that shell and they don't even encode for any proteins, no genes. And yet they cause a lot of problems for plants, despite plants and also animals having like a pretty sophisticated antivirus uh, system, uh, you know, which is also kind of nascent, uh, a lot of the research about it too, as well. Um, but the way that they work is that you can kind of see in this picture. Um, so a little vi viroid comes in like this. Um, parts of it get, uh, so you see this like funny little like structure it has here. Well, basically that keeps it from being bound with a bunch of the sort of enzymes that are oftentimes in like plant cells uh, uh, that would uh, bind with it and then cleave it and then break it apart and, and kill it essentially, neutralize it. But it, what ends up happening actually is that particular um, uh, RNA, so like polymerase, for example, uh, well, which is an, uh, an enzyme or a, a machinery or <laughs> I'm trying to be, uh, yeah, anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll not get into the, the details. Basically, specific things come in and recognize the viroid as like messenger RNA, which is used to create genes. So it takes it in and then it turns it into a double strand because it's basically like a little... Um, like a, you can think of it like a zipper, basically it goes, it feeds in one direction, a specific direction, and then it, and then it codes it. Um, and so then that becomes something else. And then also a bunch of other little small RNA fragments get made as well. And this is where it becomes really problematic and it causes a lot of its damage because what happens is that even though viroids don't code any genes, um, those little strands of RNA, well, they can go and they can, run around and they can bind with other um, strands, other parts of genetic material. And what, what happens is that when they do that, it, it's called, in some cases, it's post-transcriptional gene silencing, which means that um, at a certain stage in the gene or in the protein creation, right, um, that the cell is making all these different proteins for cellular structure, for secondary metabolites, like creation of cannabinoids and terpenes. Um, you know, genes related to leaf structure, things, you know, all kinds of things. Well, what happens is that the RNA fragments, they bind to these little, these other RNA pieces and they prevent them from being able to be coded. And so that's why you see all the problems that viroids cause because like the modeling that you see when leaves change like a weird color, when they're stunted, you know, like what hoplite and viroid does to cannabis, these come from you know, this, this sort of interruption of normal genetic processing. And when viroids replicate themselves, they do this a lot. They just keep doing this and doing this. And that's why you kind of get this sort of sometimes even localized uh, um, uh, stunting. But then over time, uh, the viroids will move through the plasma desmata, we believe. Um, and, uh, and then it just kind of like continues on from, from cell to cell. That's why it's so pernicious. Um, and 
Not to interrupt, but to couple that with cannabis, that's just short cycle plant. It's not something you might notice in the first cycle or the second cycle, but then it expresses itself by the third cycle. It's it's multiplied enough to really start affecting a lot of the plant. Exactly. No, no, no. You're, you're totally right. And so that's one of the main, one of the main problems is that, uh, as a short cycle plant, like you say, and also in, in nature, you know, it's hard. We don't really know. Like I, I saw, I've seen some discourse people are, uh, and I think I've talked about this on the show too, a little bit. I feel like people are a little bit, um, dubious about like the legitimacy of hop latent viroid as a threat. Um, as well as sort of how it affects things and how you can treat it. And uh, that's kind of why I wanted to talk about a little bit about how viroids like kind of act because you can run into a problem where, because somebody asked me, oh, could, um, you know, if you had a good microbiome, you know, operative word being good here, if you had a microbiome that could somehow attenuate some of these problems, uh, you know, would that be enough? Maybe it's possible, but what you might also be doing is you might just limit some of the negative effects of the viroid without actually getting rid of it. And there are also other techniques that people might do. I've heard people say that they apply certain microbes or they apply certain substances and um, the plant kind of recovers. And what I'm afraid of is that maybe you didn't actually treat the problem, you just treated the symptoms and still have the viroid inside you know it's not magic uh but uh viroids you know they, they are able to reside in their host for a long time certain viruses certainly are able to do that as well um and this is also from the um oh, this is from the uh same post that you were talking about this uh this uh research report jack and yeah so in here they talk about how they were able to find these three um uh, fungal pathogens so Cryphonectria, uh, uh, Parasitica, Valsamali, and Fusarium graminearum, which is this last one here is a Fusarium species, and Fusarium is everywhere. <laughs> so it makes me kind of um, anxious that uh, Fusarium might be a vector potentially. More research is needed, but uh, certainly Fusarium is a major problem in tons of different plants. Um, so, you know, and, and uh, so, yeah, so they were able to show in controlled settings that these viroids were able to horizontally transmit uh, through what's called hyphal anastomosis, which is, I think, how the cells, uh, sometimes uh, you'll get hyphae that like fuse together. And I believe that's the case, but uh, don't quote me on that. My fungal physiology is not where it should be. Um, and uh, the other thing is that it can move bidirectionally between the plant and the fungus. So that could make it a very, what's called a competent vector. Uh, so, so it's just kind of a thing that I'm, uh, you know, I'm a little bit afraid of uh, in the cannabis space. You know, some viroids are even able to work as uh, enzymes themselves, the sort of hammerhead rib ribozyme we see where they can cleave uh, RNA just by itself, just by its structure, which is pretty freaking amazing, uh, which could also make it uh, an even bigger threat. I don't think coplatin viroid does this. I think this is the um, absuniviridae. Is this related in any way to what they're using to do like CRISPR? Uh, it seems like the same of. kind of seems like the same kind of action or mode of action or whatever. Sorry yeah, to push you guys off. Can I just uh, give Brandon a moment to uh, say his goodbyes, if unless he's already jumped out of the Zoom? Oh, absolutely.
I don't know if I seemed to already leave. Uh, I think you may have. Uh, cheers to Brandon Rust. You can find him at Bokashi Earthworks or Rust.Brandon. Sorry. Oh, no, not at all. I, I didn't want to sort of bogart the conversation. Uh, but to answer your question, Spartan, it is kind of like that. In fact, uh, CRISPR, um, maybe MJ Coco can, I don't know if you're, uh, if you know about this very much yourself, but uh, uh, isn't CRISPR based off of a bacterial system? I just want to fact check myself. Somebody might know. Sorry, yeah, my mic was on mute. Um, yeah, the the sort of novel thing about CRISPR is that you can select very precisely where it will go in and insert other genes into the sequence. So it's basically the ability to harness that um, trait from a, a bacteria to um, encode a sequence exactly where you want it. It used to be very hit and miss in uh, genetic engineering to insert genes into the DNA of other organisms. Um, they literally did some of it with like shooting them through with like on projectiles um, into the nucleus of cells and to try to get the DNA to incorporate. And there'd be a lot of errors and the gene wouldn't end up in the DNA where you wanted it to. Um, and so what CRISPR did was make it much more precise to be able to exactly sort of select that. And to the extent that this is also selecting a very specific place along the, the sequence to clip and insert or start reading, it would operate on a similar principle. Yeah, in fact, um, one of the things I talk about in the video, and I was trying to trying to find an example of it, but I hit here onto a sort of similar subject. So I'll, I'll work with that. But um, apparently, like bacteriophages, which are viruses that um, specialize on bacteria, they, um, a lot of times they actually encode for some of the genes that make bacteria, even beneficial bacteria that we use in agriculture. Um, and uh, I would expand that not just to commercial strains, but also things that, you know, we would find in the wild, right? Because this is all happening regardless of us. Um, they actually encode genes that make them like virulent or encode them different toxins that make them effective as like pathogens of insects or other microbes, not as pathogens, but even just as a, com a competitor. So like even in some cases, viruses and viro, maybe not viroids so much, but um, there is some examples of viroids. That I want to, I want to be clear, but uh, we just don't know them very well and how it operates. But certainly with viruses, there are cases where they can make some of the other microbes we use actually work better um, or even for plants for that matter um, in the same way uh, you know that I've talked about this a little bit before but um, there's examples of mycorrhiza that can make a virus that can facilitate viruses in plants rather than making them more resilient uh, which I find is always kind of a sort of a shocker to people um, this is a this is from a research report which I, I think I cite later on uh in this uh presentation i wanted to live fact check you on the, on the crispr um first of all it, it just reading off of the google search crispr is a acronym which means clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats which i never knew uh it's a family of dna sequences found in genomes of prokaryotic organisms such as bacteria and archaea it mm. says crispr are found in approximately 50 percent of sequenced bacterial genomes and nearly 90% of sequenced archaea. 
Yeah, those those repeating palindromes were the sequence that originally got CRISPR identified in the first place, that there was these repeating patterns. And in between those repeating patterns were snippets of, if I'm getting this right, of um, pathogenic DNA. And that those snippets of the DNA were being inserted so that the, the host would be able to recognize that specific invader if it like invaded again. So there was a, a mechanism for taking those little snippets of the DNA and encoding them with those repeating palindromic sequences at the beginning and the end of it, which was the signal that the researchers noticed that pattern and, and trying to figure that why there was those palindromes, um, like a, a sequence that read one way and then this other thing, and then that exact same sequence that opened it, closed it in reverse. I I, um, I really appreciate the live fact check, Jack. And I, I think you are right there, Dr. MJ. It's like, um, you know, hor horizontal gene transmission, right? Like bacteria, this is how they, maybe not yeah. through this exact system, but uh, certainly they're, ex they're exchanging DNA all the time. And even with hosts for that matter, which is what I was referencing earlier. Uh, sometimes the revolutionary really aspect of this was just how precise it was and oh, yeah. the, the ability to to sort of use that and harness that to insert other kinds of genes where researchers wanted them to um but yeah um uh, so like for example uh, here in this uh this table gives examples of um various plant families sort of fungi and several of these people have encountered before i'm sure in commercial um uh, consortia like this uh glomus massiae which is now a new name for uh formis massiae and also rhizophagus irregularis come on most people have or in glomus interagencies right formerly people encounter this all the time as a mycorrhizal supplement um and uh, here are examples of viruses that um, where they had effects that were positive. So they decreased the virus titer, which means the amount of uh, detectable uh, virus material, you know, milder symptoms. But there's also examples where these same or different fungi rather in, uh, in, in uh, cases of plants with viruses where they increase the virus titer when they're present um, or cause there to be more severe symptoms. And, um, you know, it's, it's through a great, you know, uh, complex series of, of, of factors, which I don't think we always understand totally anyways, but um, I bring it up because like, again, like, I guess maybe I'm a broken record, but um, yeah, these interactions are not always um, as predictive as we would like them to be. And we can't always assume that they're going to act the way that we want them to be. I see your micro, I don't think you can see this because of the, the subtitle, but uh, mycorrhiza-induced susceptibility is what's called if you want to Google it yourself. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so viroids. Viroids are interesting. Viroids are hard to kill, um, especially in the host. Uh, don't use alcohol to try to disinfect them. That's one of the biggest questions people have when it comes to like, how can they protect themselves from transmission? Viroids are mechanically transmitted for the most part. There's contention that other organisms like the fungi I talked about earlier, um, and possibly even insects can serve as vectors uh, naturally. Uh, there's a lot of contentious research about that, so we don't really know um, to what extent. Um, but uh, when it comes to humans, the major way that we transmit them is by having the plants touch each other, 
when one's infected and we don't know it. Uh, it can also happen through taking cuttings like we've talked about before. And the way that you can get rid of that is by using some sort of a sterilant. Uh, a lot of people like to use uh, like a 10% solution of bleach. Um, there's also products like Vercon S, which we talked about in the chat of this video. Um, and I also bring up some other examples from a research report about controlling viroids. Um, was it this one? No, it was not. Uh, in, uh, in other plants for that matter. So anyways, I think that's enough I have on viroids. I think I've spoken my piece. If you're curious about more information, oh yeah, this is the part I was talking about. Yeah, here. Phages have also been implicated in the defense phenotype conferred by certain bacteria to their arthropod hosts even. So you got bacteria, like look, if you, if you think the microbiome is your own weapon, if you don't think plants have their own and insects that eat the plants have their own, that make them also, you know, uh, uh, robust in the in the ecological sense. Then you don't understand ecology. You don't understand that things are very very complex. Like just because you have a, a you know, a nice uh, and in your opinion, biodiverse microbiome, it does not at all guarantee that you know the effects are going to be predictive or that uh, another organism with its own microbiome can't come in and upset that balance. I guess that's the thing. Don't rest on your laurels when it comes to uh, the, the natural world because you will be, um, <laughs> you will be in trouble. Uh, but yeah, that's all I wanted to say really. Um, and if you're interested in more, you can check out this video, which is again, intro to viroid biology with emphasis on hoplite and viroid. And uh, yeah. I have one question for you, Matthew, just sure. so you can make me not sleep again, I'm sure. But um... So what exactly attracts a viroid to the general area of the plant to begin with? Is there some kind of signal that they somehow ride the waves or is it just a random happening and they're fucking everywhere? This is the main question that I have for like how, uh, you know, is it a natural population in cannabis, you know, and, uh, and also hops for that matter, presumably at least hops, right? Uh, so viroids are... We don't really, so probably there's a vector. Probably there are, like we were saying in the thing, it's not like it gets on the air and uh, travels that way, um, like an aerosol. Um, as I understand it, the main way that we encounter it is through horticultural techniques. And in nature, the way that it probably vectors other plants are through like natural vectors, like maybe insects. There's an example of peach aphid uh, being shown, uh, I think in laboratory settings to be able to uh, uptake and then uh, vector uh, a viroid. I think it was potato spindle viroid, which is one of the first ones. I think is the first one ever documented. So there probably is something like that going on, uh, but we don't really know how common it is and um, you know so how me, viable they are. Yeah. So what, about, what about this? When I'm when I'm applying beneficial beneficial mites, we'll say to my plants how much of a chance is it that I'm also applying potential viroids to my plants? We don't know. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> that, can, a, yeah. can, a, can a mite bite one plant and then spread it through to another? That yeah. would be the question. Well, usually yeah. these, um, well, like with the predatory mites, for the most part, they're usually not feeding on plant material so much. Pollen would be one example where they could. Oh, and some viroids can also be vertically transmitted seemingly so 
uh, like hot plate and viroid. Although it seems like that's at least in laboratory conditions, it's kind of a low percentage, single to low double digits. And I think the uh, there's a particular research report everyone likes to cite, which I escapes me at the moment. But um, yeah, that's actually a good question. And I've heard that before as well, um, because if it can be mechanically transmitted just from the leaves touching each other, could biocontrols right. also vector them, right? Exactly. And then we got to go, then we have to go to insectaries and test these, you know, every random sample of insects for viroids. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, it would probably be, a, I mean, to its credit, uh, if it was a viroid that was affecting the host plants that they had the prey on, if they're using that kind of a system, they would probably find out if the plants were symptom, uh, had symptoms. You think probably, that, you think these insectaries are giving a damn what the plants are looking like that they're feeding their mites to? I don't think so. I think that um, well, I know for a fact that at least one of them is pretty persnickety about all kinds of variables that you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> okay. consider. But you're well, right. Which like, one not, is that? Which so, one is that? My opinion would be copper copper oh, biological good. systems. They're they're like the granddaddy of the biocontrol space, and you know um, they've they've been in it for probably longer than anyone else is my understanding and they're pretty detail oriented they're dutch so but you're right like i mean that doesn't mean that things can't escape them and it doesn't certainly doesn't mean that i haven't had uh <laughs> disagreements with some of the salespeople over the years uh, with certain assertions They so treat we, us right at work, so I'll give them a thumbs up. They treat us right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, at least, right? I'll say this. There's somebody in every field who's just grinding their ass off to do the very best, and I, if you look around hard enough, you'll find somebody who's doing it well. And um, with that said, I want to pass it to Kyle Breeder because he has to jump out, and then after him, uh, Dr. MJ is going to give his final thoughts and shout-outs as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry for cutting it short, you guys. It's uh. I live in Massachusetts, so I'm getting old and I got to wake up early, but uh, I have some stuff to do, so sorry. But um, yeah, if anyone's uh, looking for feminized seeds, if you don't already know, I have a website, uh, purebreeding.com, pbreeding.com, pure-slash-breeding.com, and predicatedbreeding.com. They all lead to one place. Um, I don't have any varieties on there now, but um, December 31st at 10 a.m., I'm dropping our first reg seed line, which is pretty... Pretty cool. Pretty excited about that. And um, I guess it doesn't hurt to say it now. So I actually uh, sent uh, Mr. Soul himself, uh, New England Rock Candy, and he has my cut, and we're in the process of doing a collaboration together. Uh, so that, to me, was, like, basically on the, one of the toppest tiers I could probably try and reach, for me, in regards to, like, trying to work with people. Um, so that's, that's cool. And yeah, so uh, just be on the lookout for the new drop and just really excited about how things are going. And uh, I'm glad that we're all doing well and we're all kind of still healthy and alive from all the craziness that's going on in this world. And uh, I'm just happy to be here, man. So take care, everyone. He's a living legend, man. So I'm uh, happy you're getting to do some work with them. And it's uh, really cool. So thank you so much for joining us, Kyle. And uh, next up, we've got Dr. MJ. 
Yeah, you know, I got about 15, maybe 20 minutes before I really have to cut out. I got to go to a holiday dinner. I'm on the West Coast, so we haven't even eaten dinner yet. I know my, my wife's going to God's going to sleep. I'm like, wow. I'm getting uh, ready for dinner, too. We've got yeah, a, so I'll stick around. I want to hear. I, I saw we'd never killed Kenny jumped in. I'll stick around for another 15 or so. I'll let you know when I got to get out of here. Personally, as a South Park fan and just uh somebody who appreciates creative names and clever names that is got to be one of my favorite names from the chat so welcome we never killed kenny i've actually uh been around the community for a while i was cannabis flower for a while if you remember my name uh I do remember. I just, yeah I just recently changed it maybe like a month or two ago i don't know uh but yeah i feel like i need to change i feel like everybody was having the trouble saying my name but it was all right um yeah this one long time listener um big fan of the show um, uh, like I was telling Dr. Coco, uh, before I run his mix, um, had great success my first, uh, go around. So now I'm, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm advanced. So, um, now I'm running a coots mix, uh, and a sip. Uh, you're speaking to my heart, man. The <laughs> two things that I like very much, very successful in the past for me and, and still kind of running similar. What, what genetics are you running in that, uh, coots mix uh, and sip? So, so I have a few uh, varieties. I have a, a Lumpy's apple fritter and a dog walker cut. And then I have some seedlings uh, about, look, uh, they're from Mystic Marks and they're a land race times a unicorn poop, I believe. Yeah. Land race from where? Uh, Caribbean, Caribbean land race. So Robert's iPhone has been trying to join. Uh, I'm not sure who Robert's iPhone is. If you DM me in the chat, I'd be more well, uh, likely to join you. I'm going to add Oki Grower because I recognize that name. But uh, sorry, can you just go ahead? I just want to show off my bed here. It's a soil bed. It's a 200-gallon soil bed, uh, but it's also a sip. Let me just turn that's awesome dude we, it's I a cool looking bed yeah look at this thing i've, I've seen this I've, i actually follow you on instagram i believe because yeah. I, I see you build i saw you building this and it looks yeah, great yeah. all the living oh we got some mic static i think you might be bumping oh. your mic with your hand or something yeah yeah my bad is that better uh, yeah yep okay. how are the layers separated on the bottom to keep it out of the water uh just a smart pot Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty durable smart pot. Honestly, it's fabric. It's uh, pretty tough. That looks, that looks really thick. Yeah. That's so nice. it's a 200 gallon. Uh, this fills a five by five. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna. So I've already planted these two. But I'm gonna be planting my seedlings once it shows sex, like around it. Is that basil in there too? Honestly, it's the 12 seed cover crop. Uh, oh, okay. Build a soil. So oh, it's sweet. a bunch of varieties in there yeah but yeah i got a you know a bunch of mycelium you know oh nice how yeah, many cannabis plants do you, do you plan to do when it's fully uh flowered um i'm hoping in, you know at least four depending on which show sex um uh, maybe more so at least four for sure but i'm hoping around eight nice but yeah um, this is uh, the apple fritter. This is dog walker. Uh, they've been doing great. Great. I do use uh, foliars every day. If uh, I try to do a soap nut foliar, if I'm if I'm going to do a foliar, if not, I got um, full power, 
with fulvic acid. Oh, and then I, I use aminos. I just got aminos. I just did a foliar with the uh, aminos. All and, stuff. Yeah, and I got TM7 uh, Cytoplus from BioAg. And then I also use LAB um, twice a week foliars. Nice. So use any of that. You should put a little bit down that uh, tube once in a while too. That'd be good. Down for sure. Uh, yeah, I actually measured it uh, just for that. So that's thirty-one Perfect. gallons that that results. Oh, that's fucking awesome. That's you huge. Don't to, you don't have to water very often. Yeah, the one thing I would say is I'd, I'd remove some of those lower leaves on. Uh, I think you said it was the uh, apple fritter. Apple fritter. Yeah. That's yeah. So I was battling a nitrogen deficiency for a while because it's a fresh mix, uh, very fresh. So, um, yeah, and it, yeah, I, I agree. Brandon uh, has some stuff. I, I really like his, um, it's called Amino N Plus. It's like a soy-based amino, and it it's water-soluble, and it gets you pretty uh, quick nitrogen availability. I don't know if you're uh, I've been that, just using that, too. I've just been trying that, too, and I like it as well. I love foliar sprays, um, and this is a hobby for me, so anything that gets me in the garden. I run a coots mix, so it's very... <laughs> hands off you know I'm yeah, sip man. Too, so. hey man you're talking my language man i do yeah. very similar very similar. well it's beautiful i mean mostly all green and lush and healthy that's just the one spot is that uh lower half and it, it might not yeah. at this point i would just say more for the airflow purposes even than the nutrient yeah. but the, the top half looks extremely happy and healthy so oh yeah it's very yes it is very healthy um i think that's a you know for me i think that's the fulvic um and a that's really, you know, set it off. What but, kind of lighting? Um, this is actually a Bloom Plus. I'm actually underlit. Um, the Bloom Plus 4000, uh, it's rated. They say it's four or five by five, but really maybe, maybe a four by four. You know, <laughs> if you look hey, at their pull, 400 charts, watts or something like that. Yes. Yeah. 400. Yep. They Plus make good support. lights. I mean, uh, yeah. my buddy Eagle I, Gardens has used them for a little while and had some great success. The only thing about, yeah. So, they just, uh, like I said, they said it's for a five by five, but it's not. If you look at their par charts, their par charts will show you that it's not for a five by five. Uh, a five by five is just an awful lot of space. I mean, that's even that's even not really enough for a four by four, but yeah, um, yeah. so it's probably enough for like 12 and a half square feet, but not for like 25 square feet, but yeah. But it's the only complaint you're growing plants under it, anyways. I mean, yeah, they're all vegging, they're all vegging green, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did have a smaller light that went with it, but it ended up actually shorting out. So I got to return it. Um, it was pretty scary too. Like it would flicker and make that like buzzing noise. Thought I'd hurry up and get rid of that before it burned down my house. But yeah, be careful. Other than that, yeah, this one's been doing great. It was the smaller one that kind of had like the built-in driver on it, like a plastic box. Yeah, it was kind of yeah, yeah. yeah I was, yeah, I pulled that out of there. Um, but yeah, everything looks great in here. Uh, I'm going to show you my seedlings real quick. Sounds good. And then we also got Oki Grower joined us as well as Chuck Bob. So uh, after you show off those seedlings, I'll let them uh, give their introductions. Yeah. So these are my solo sips. Um, all I did was put rocks in the bottom of it, a little hole for the, I like for it. the airflow. Yeah. And I just fill it up every day. I just check it, you know. They've been yep. going through a little container about th- at the very bottom every day. Nice. So, Perfect. They call he calls this rainbow bright. 
Rainbow Bright. Wasn't that a cartoon or something? They it just got like done the in their solo cups, or are they going to stay in there for a lot longer? Yeah, so, um, yeah, with the sip, I would say, you know, they could probably stay in there for a while with the Benny and Sip. Uh, it was a it My Little Pony. I, I just worry about the uh, roots getting bound up and then kind of being Fair forever perma-bound, even if you transplant out. But Yeah, they come down through, but they're still going to get bound up a bit inside that, that first. I do do a, a root trimming. So once I take them out and when I transplant, I like to do a root trim. Um, just because I've heard a few people say it kind of boosts the terpenes, makes the plant thinks it's under attack. Um, so I give it a little bit of the trimming. It helps it. Uh, it helps the extra roots when you put it into a new pot, branch out more. It's like topping yeah. the roots. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard somebody yeah, say exactly. tickle the roots. It encourages bifurcation in the root. So when you rip it, like just like topping a plant does, yeah. slightly different mechanism, but yeah. Well, and even just physically, like if you think about the physical nature of the root, when it's grown into a basically a knot in whatever that pot is, if it was a plastic pot, it would be a perfect swirled circle, which we've all kind of seen before. If you get it super root bound, uh, if you just planted that, you can see at your harvest when you pull up the whole root ball that basically stays there and then everything below it grows out, uh, yeah. but it still kind of always gets stuck like that. And if you do like the tickle, the roots where you kind of break them up or cut them, you can see when they open out where it physically, you know, even if it's broken, new roots start to grow from those tips and they go outward versus just being stuck in that ball. So it's definitely a good idea to, I, I agree, like you were saying, kind of uh, cut them up a little bit, do whatever you have yeah. to do to. Uh, we sure do it usually less in cannabis, but I mean, that's really kind of a common technique to score the, the plug when you're transplanting to pull out the smaller pot and take a knife and and cut vertically along the edges of the the, the sort of bound roots that you're about to transplant in. Yeah, I was just going to say, because, I think that's why, because it's common for in, in that kind of a setting to let them become root bound before you do a transplant. Yeah, and then you have to sort of rescue them because you're running a giant nursery with thousands of silly little plants that you can't get to them all as soon as exactly. you can. And it's not as important because they're, you know not being grown for maximum production in a cannabis facility it, it, it's, uh, it's semi-important though because a lot of consumers get fucked because they'll buy like a unknowingly they'll go buy a tomato that has like the most flowers on it because it looks pretty or right. and they think that's better for them and i was actually you know that tickle the roots saying i just picked up was from a non-cannabis gardening youtube video i was watching something about the worm castings that i like and it was this little instructional guide and um it was like you were just talking about they're planting from a cell where things were root bound and they showed like the good ones versus the bad ones, but even the best ones, um, they were breaking up the roots a little bit to prevent that basically uh, growing into that sort of knot. Yeah. Generally, if they're in small containers, you want to avoid buying fruiting plants that are already fruiting because that, that's probably a result of having been root bound that, that triggers the reproductive phase early and it's not going to become a big glorious plant. Exactly. We kind of talked about this, I think, a little bit last week uh, as well, and I might have brought it up because I watched that video, but I want to give Oki Grower a chance to jump in and introduce himself. Cheers, Oki Grower. Welcome. Yeah. Hey, guys. What's going on? Not too much. How you doing? Pretty good. Trying to share a video here. There we go. Now I can see you. See how you flip this. It's at the top left uh, up over here. There we go. go. And I'll spotlight there you. There we go. Spotlight this is my forward. little closet here. 
a beautiful closet. Got, I love uh, closets full of plants. <laughs> so it's a Siberian Gorilla Mac from uh, uh, Guardian of Lost Herps. She got tall. She yeah, is definitely lanky. Having, yeah, this one stretched. I've got two of them in the same pot down here. Oh, nice, man. Those are my pots, man. I use those exact same ones. Yeah, the city kickers. Hell yeah, city yep. kickers. And then, see, this one here didn't stretch near as much. And then I got this one here. And I was wondering, is it is it too late to try and super crop this down so I can drop How my lights back down? It's, it's almost, what week are you into? Uh, it's like day 18 since flip. Yeah, you probably are still they still do. growing? No, I think they finally stopped. Then it's pretty much too late to. You got to super crop them while they're still growing, so they have the energy to turn around. Otherwise, yeah. they'll just stay stay over. Yeah, over. Yeah. Day eighteen, they okay. still might be going a little bit. I I hate to uh, be the bearer of bad news. So if you wanted to, if, if you wanted, if they are still growing, then you could still super crop. They don't need a lot more oomph. But if you, I mean, if there's nothing left in that bolt, they won't turn around and they won't sort of bulk up those knuckles. So there's um, a there's a happy medium. You can just like tie a string and like pull them over a little bit, not yeah, not completely yeah, super crop. Do like a low stress train kind of just pull, pull it diagonal. Kind of yeah. Like that. Yeah, just yeah, Almost just like if that. Threw another scrog on top. I hate to like make like it even that. messier. Well, yeah, that would. Yep, yep. The other thing is, yeah, it no. looks like they're outside. It looks like they're outside the the footprint of the fixture. You got the tallest ones sort of around the the edges. Um, is that the case? Or are they right under the middle? I'm trying to see. They're pretty much right underneath the lights. It's kind of hard to see my closet. You can kind of move the tallest colas out towards the edge um, away from sort of the middle of the light. You don't need to necessarily get it much lower, just sort of out from the hot spot under the middle. It looks like you got room above the lights. Raise the lights up a little now. That's a good point, too. Yeah, I I don't think it's worth to raise the light. You lose so much at the bottom. I think it's better just to bend them over. Okay, yeah, good point. I would just bend them over, man. And those tops, they'll get a little foxtailed, but to be honest with you, they end up being mostly fine. They might be a little bit airier buds, but I think it's worth it to sacrifice like that, you know, the top being perfect for the other three quarters of that branch being decent to a good bud. Yeah. Is there a fourth wall that comes in and closes up this space, or is it open on one side? No, it's open here. I got my clothes over here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then you don't want to raise the lights any higher than you have to, because yeah, that's the higher you raise the lights, thinking. the more light. I mean, this is only probably thirty-four inches from my lights. They're all they're all one hundred watt LEDs. Yeah, so if, as long as they're outside, the like directly under the fixture, I think they'd be fine at that height. In fact, they probably wouldn't be getting very much light that close to the fixture if they're outside. But if they're right under it, so maybe you could just pull them off to the sides and, and that would be probably just fine. Okay. I think you're going to crush it as far as like somebody who's doing this in their closet. You're going to be very happy with the amount of bud that you're pulling out of there. I don't know how many grows you've got under your belt in this spot, but I mean, you've got good airflow because you've got the open wall. Yeah, well, I've got a exhaust fan going to the uh, to the attic here. (laughs) It's nice to be able to pull it out and just uh, dump it out. Yeah, straight up. 
And then I've got, I've also got this. This is a bag seed right here in the little three gallon. It's all super soil. And uh, I've got these little, I just noticed this earlier. I think I might have overwatered it. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's not overfed if it's only three gallons of super soil, in my opinion. Um, three gallons, yeah. that's about as big as your plants are going to be the... in a soil, in, in my experience. Maybe a, a five or a seven gallon pot, yeah. you probably get them more similar to the size of that city picker next to it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, appreciate all the help. Yeah, no problem, man. We're happy to have you on. Do you have any more questions before you run? And uh, we're going to give uh, then, I think, uh, Cheddar Bob will be up next. Oh, yeah, I think I'm good, guys. All right, thank you so much, Hokey. And you can uh, hang around if you'd like, or if you want to jump out, you're more than welcome. But we're, I'm going to jump out. Plenty of room. I, okay. Yeah, oh, I yeah. Doc's got to go. So go ahead and give us your final thoughts and shout out, Doc. Yeah, just remind everybody to join us in the New Year's Grow Challenge. Starts January 1st, free to sign up. Everybody's welcome. It's great for new growers, great for experienced growers, lots of cool prizes, and everybody gets to grow together and have fun. I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday, a wonderful Christmas. Um, I think we're back next week. Isn't that the 26th? I'll be traveling, but I'll probably get it live for you guys. Um, if I'm not able to be here, I can definitely make sure that you guys are still able yeah, to. Yeah, I'm wondering what my 26 is going to look like. I mean, I, I like to be here if I can, so I'll see everybody then. And if not, then I guess it would be the second, which is like the day after the New Year's Grow Challenge starts. So don't forget about the New Year's Grow Challenge, everyone. And um, enjoy your holidays. Enjoy your plants. Grow our love. Thanks to all our special guests and everybody else. Thank Peace you. Peace out, have a good night. Girl, uh, Have a great week. And uh, maybe we'll see you next week or in two weeks from now. But definitely look forward to having you back whenever that is. Grow or love. All right, Cheddar Bob. Been hanging out in the cut patiently over there. You're all bundled up. But uh, normally we've got some sort of superhero. And uh, what's the hoodie we've got today? Ouija tastes good. I agree. I agree. Yep. Miles. And then we got, who do we got? We got Star Wars. And then... We got our fantastic four. So, All righty. Now that that's know, there's always there's always something. Yeah. It looks like you cleared um, out one of these uh, tents over here. I did. I um I cleared out the cherry pie about uh, let's uh, about ten days ago I'd say. Uh, so that was taken. Well, here I'll get you a little bit picture here. Um, but it's already starting to reveg. See, um, and then this is the uh, nine-pound hammer, which is starting its, you know, starting its fade. I'm gonna chop that on Thursday. But looking pretty good. Uh, but over here is uh, is what I really wanted to show people is the uh, this is the Bruce Banner number three. Nice. I got I got three of these clones in here. I like um, it. And I think the last time I was on, these were really small, um, maybe even just transplanted. And you can see just you know once they once they hit the soil and those roots lock on, they just explode, and they're super uh, branchy and yeah, super branchy. Looks cool as shit. Yeah. A lot of work in there stripping that. Good job, man. Yeah. Um, well, you know, 
small days make big weeks, right? So as long sure. as you just just like keep up on it just a little bit at a time. I mean, by the time you're ready to flip, it ends up looking like that. And I mean, I still have a little bit more left to do. Uh, at the end of flip, I'm going to take these lowers and, uh, and clone them just because they're, you know, they're not going to produce anything. So, but yeah, up top is looking good. So this was the tent that I had the mealy bugs in, right? And uh, yeah, yeah. I have no signs of mealybugs any longer. Nice. Which is, yeah, which is fantastic. And what did you attribute that to? Oh, well, uh, partially you guys um, and, and probably more so uh, Matthew, just to be specific. You know, I, I think I bugged him. I think I've been bugging him about mealybugs for, Christ, like two years. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, but I used, so I used wettable sulfur. Um, and then as before the next treatment, I did like a three week separation. Um, I used, uh, the mealy bug destroyers and green lacewing eggs. And I did two rounds of the mealy bug destroyers with one round of the of like 2,500, lacewing eggs and man i'll tell you they they smoke showed like 95 percent of the visible uh mealybugs and i'm not and, and i don't want people to get like this wasn't like one or two mealybugs this was right. like an, this was like an infestation like in the flowers like like ev like everywhere they were yeah. they were they were everywhere they were on my on my scrog screen crawl i like they just blew up. Those green so, lacewing. Uh, I love those green green lacewing eggs because they're so cheap. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they may give they me are, four times the amount I need. I'll take them. <laughs> yeah, they are inexpensive. You know, it's just the shipping. You know, being way out here on the, oh, on the yeah. east coast, like I mean, it's like fifty dollars to ship from the west coast. You know, because it's overnight and blah blah blah, whatever. whatever yeah. But, um, so that kind of eat themselves. You, they do. I mean, I was blown away. Like they were, and they got big. They got legit big. I was like, "Holy shit!" I, I've never seen the the larvae that that large before. Um, but yeah, they were I, well fed. Lost, you had an infestation. Shit. I I I really did. And that's my first first infestation I've ever had in twenty years of growing. I've never had any. Like, I've had a couple pests here and there, but not to the numbers that, that the mealybugs were. Um, and man, like I, I lost two, two harvests to the mealybugs before I finally figured out a, a, a pattern or like, you know, how to treat different stages of their life. So yeah, Doc, I used some Dr. Zimes, lots of saponins, lots of J plant speakers, uh, Kea powder there um soap nuts yucca aloe um the yeah, kitchen sink so. the the Basically, beautiful route of ipm in, a little bit of everything yeah well, in the, between the, the uh the three weeks of wettable sulfur um, i like I, that though I, because all those things that you're saying are all beneficial to your soil too on top of them right. being some sort of a pesticide or at least slowing down it's also beneficial to your soil too so that's badass and um, thank you. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we are in uh, day, I think day five or six in the flower of the Bruce Banner. And this thing stretches like 30%. So, I mean, these will probably end up being like 18 or 20 inches. So I dropped my, dropped my support trellis down a little bit, which is just a three inch um, U-line grid wall panel. Uh, do you get any, like, you, sh- you said it's a clone, the Bruce Banner, you've run it before, I presume? I have. I've run it two other times. And this, this is stuff that I pressed out on my IG, uh, Cheddarbob13. And uh, it, it's pressing out at in between 30 and 33% from flower rosin. It's really a, good. Nice. Yeah, it's a gusher. Um, it's crazy. Does it have so, any uh, strawberry notes at all? Because I know that's like one it, of the things that people are looking for. It with. does. It has it ha- at the at the exhale. Um, you definitely get that almost like strawberry potpourri. It's not like eating a wild strawberry. You know that big burst of of subtle acidity. Um, but you definitely you definitely have that lighter red fruit exhale on it. So yeah, and then and then the gas you know definitely has some it's it's a in a sweet it's it's yeah it's 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 a great plant i i don't even know what to say about it because for so many years you know i heard bruce banner three bruce banner three and i thought it was you know like maybe one of the hype strains you know like like cookies and stuff like that that you know is flooding everywhere so I never gave it much thought. And then when Tony did the Bob's cheddar and used that as a mother, he sent me the clone when I tested that for him. So I knew what I was looking at because uh, I had never grown the Bruce Banner or the space cheese. So who's Tony um, for the listeners who uh, don't know? Tony is Mr. Toad at filial feel on, on Instagram and uh, good Mr. Dude. Toad here on YouTube. Yeah. He's a good dude. He, highly knowledgeable i mean i love the guy he he does a lot for our community as far as knowledge and and passing on things that he knows uh because the guy seems to know a little bit of a little bit of something about everything it's pretty it's pretty amazing it's cool that he's sharing good genetics and that you're enjoying them and it's a gusher i mean that level that percentage of uh, return on flower rosin is fantastic i personally love flower rosin i know some people are like uh you know just kind of are too bougie for flower rosin. They only do hash rosin. <laughs> and, it's how, uh, I, I thought the I thought rosin was the bougie option. Am I wrong? So it guess... is, but hash rosin is like the headiest, bougiest oh, of of them all. If you're doing yeah. flower rosin, that's like the, the peasant stuff to some people. I, I personally think <laughs> it tastes great, but that's a, yeah, a shit ton of packs over there. Yeah, I have like tw- twenty eight or twenty nine of of Tony's cultivars. Um, I'm supposed to be running a uh, triangle Kush cross the space cheese tester for him, but um, I you're think, too busy uh, screwing around on the show. Yeah, screwing around on the show, but we we just got told that uh, we got to move out of our house, so I don't have the time to get a, a flower cycle in and a proper proper veg. So now I got to figure out a way to. Uh, move these beds and, and restart at a new place yeah, shit, it's, Which, it's, I mean, it's hard to load the u-haul when you've got fucking beds that are probably i don't know close to a thousand pounds no no maybe. they're not a thousand pounds 
No way. It's not even close. Uh, I can I can pull this thing around around the room with the correct spell of curses and swears. <laughs> Poland's the right option. I saw Mr. Soul doing that the other day on a video and he had like a shoelace atta- attached, but he was just doing it with pots. And a lot of people out here in California, I've seen this personally, uh, fill up U-Hauls full of plants in smaller pots and you're like, oh, I'm moving, so I can't grow. I'm like, so many people just fucking keep growing all the way right up till they move and they just throw all the plants in, shut that yeah. door and, you know, I've seen it's, some people go a few hours in those things. They're, you know, resilient plants. I'll say that. Uh, I'm going to add uh, Potent Ponics to the chat because he just jumped into the Zoom. But definitely uh, a lot harder to do it. Just let it dry out a little bit before you got to move it. You'll be fine. That, that's the way. The water is most of the weight for sure. Yeah, and then um, I, I want to show everyone these. Um, Tony had mentioned these to me like about a year ago or so. Uh, I had posted them on my Instagram page, but these things are like heavy duty um, clone trays, folks. Uh, these things here. I saw you talking about these. Uh, gotta gotta love yeah. heavy duty these stuff are, like this. Yeah, and these are expandable. Yeah, they come. They it's ha- awesome. Like, I this has two things. This has like one insert, but it comes with two. Uh, and I'd say those are about. Oh, eight inches or so. So you can get some really tall clones in here. This is a medium size uh, clone tray too. So it's like 20 by, I don't know, 11 or so. But yeah, these things are killer and they don't get uh, all flimsy and breakable and stained and dirty like, like these guys. Right, everyone's familiar with these domes. How they, you know, once you've used them for a while, they start getting yellow and blah blah blah. So, yeah, early grow trays, I think, is what I typed in. Then we got the uh, Bruce Banner mom and a cherry pie mom. What are the uh, solar cups? Are those seeds? You popping some new seeds? Yeah, those are the triangle Kush. Um, but they never came up. So I think, uh, I don't know. It was meant to be because you're about to move, like you were mentioning. Exactly. So. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it was like um, fate, karma, whatever we want to call it. I want to give uh, Steve a chance to jump in. Welcome, Steve from Potent Ponics. What's up, guys? How's it going? Hey, Steve. Doing good. Uh-huh. I changed. Uh, I put on a sweatshirt because Spartan Grown was uh, too tripped out by my. No, really, it just got cold, so uh, it wasn't for Spartans viewing pleasure. But I'm in tie dye now. I think it's more easy on uh, Spartan. But welcome, good to have you back. Anything new and exciting going on over there? Appreciate that, Jack. Working on some cool new projects for next year. Um, other than that, uh, nothing too crazy. Just kind of everything right before the holidays. Usually, uh, like most of the farmers I'm working with, we we have a meeting on Monday for next week, and then it's kind of a you know just get everything done enough to where you guys can take off half you know halfway through the week and and run on a skeleton crew. So you know I think a lot of places are like that this particular week where they're just kind of you know not doing a whole hell of a lot and just kind of an autopilot <laughs> until next week. That's when the bugs come creeping in. You got to keep diligent. Somebody's got a crop scout or something, you know, no one wants to do it. You got to find the uh, one person who doesn't celebrate the holiday to uh, come in and, you know, take care of the uh, garden or whatever it is. This is 
this is where it's benefits to have a diverse group of people in your your place. You know, you had different holidays being celebrated, different days. Yeah, Hanukkah out. was like last month. Yeah, see, it's all good. Uh, I did want to mention uh, uh, um, what Matthew or ask Matthew what his thoughts were on that that weird paper that was uh, in that post that you were, you had highlighted earlier about uh, hype, the trying to link hyperemesis syndrome to hop latent viroid, which. I was just bizarre. Yeah, I didn't see your comments in the um, when I was uh, full screen uh, sharing the screen. I have uh, taken a look at that article, and if people want, I can quickly share it here. But um, uh, honestly, it's surprising. Um, I, I'm going to put it very nicely. I'm very surprised that the individual who wrote that, who has an ORCID ID and everything, you know, should be a more qualified person than even myself to say such things um tenuous uh really tenuous doesn't give any examples as to why total totally speculation um doesn't give any evidence or anything of that accord just says you know it's sort of weird that like uh you know we we, do, we found this hot plate and viroid and cannabis all of a sudden and then people started getting hypermesis maybe they're connected and i'm just like uh, how physiological <laughs> physio oh well you know that's actually not true uh, now that i'm saying this uh, they said that because the because the ter i should get the article up here but because the terpenes and cannabinoids because of like the the trichomes were lesser or something uh that means that the compounds might be more harmful or something about the mitigating components of the plant's physiology or chemistry are now like lesser in some way yeah there we go and i thought that was very um i love hard the to title believe. fool's gold very you know very cute you know uh you know you gotta get that buy-in you gotta get people citing your paper you gotta make it funny and pithy um really yeah strange paper um that that came out recently yeah do you want to I think if you control F trichomes or something, those I, I references, gotta, like what, what could they even have referenced to make that connection? Is well, those real. references are for like other thing, other statements that uh, I believe the guy's name is Oscar has made. Yes. Yeah, so, he says the resin. So yeah. So right here next to the, the orange right there, the resin also acts as a barrier to protect it from disease, insects and other debris in the worst case scenario, hoplite and viroid prevents this sticky resin from fully developing on the plant, resulting in small buds appearing like plain leafy material. In the best case scenario, all is well until about the last four weeks of bud flowering when healthy normal trichomes rapidly start to become wilted in appearance. Um, right, right. One could theorize that any nutrients, pesticides, or fungicides sprayed on the foliage by the grower becomes ab absorbed in greater concentrations because this Important THC-rich resinous barrier is not present, likely directly affecting potency and purity. I just feel like that's really tenuous. You're growing mids, kid, and that's giving yeah. people CHS. So <laughs> cut it the fuck out. <laughs> Look at the photos, though. Like, you know. Well, it's like it's just like a. I mean, my understanding. Mean, man, I really wish Dr. MJ was here to back us up here, but like, I feel like it kind of goes without saying. Like, that's not how. Oh, that works. It works. No, 
<laughs> Give me the dankest bud ever, and if you spray it with Eagle Twenty, I don't care the resinous THC content. I'm not fucking smoking it, okay? Like, yeah, it's that's such a weird claim, and that whole paper is so off base. And like, I said, what are those references? Not because like those papers are probably fine, but like, what could you even pull to make the types right. of claims or to begin to start to do that types of research? It's just like they had a high thought, this researcher, and they're like, I'm gonna put this out there and see if anybody challenges it. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's this early research and they're hoping, digging. But publish or perish, publish or perish, I guess. Um, you know, uh, what's the title? Fool's Gold what? Uh, hold on. I'll pull it back up two seconds. There we go. Fool's Gold Diseased Marijuana and Cannabis Hypermesis Syndrome. Okay. I just I want to love- check some... Really quickly, because uh, this oh. gentleman's name is um, Oscar Armando Durantes, and um, <laughs> well, look at this from um, from um, now. I have my own reason to be embarrassed because from San Diego State University, hey, um, representing. Hey, oh yeah, <laughs> and um, let me just uh, let me just check here. SCSU. You can legally smoke Army, the good shit. I'll Army, say that. Oh, uh, I don't want to. I'm not going to dox this person. But uh, I mean, they have a public email. But um, yeah, I was just curious who they're affiliated with and if there's like a department or like, are they a plant physiologist? Do they even. I wonder what Ethan Russo would say about this. He is probably the person that knows more about this hypermesis than anybody else that's like alive right now. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I, you know, I still, for those who are curious about my opinion on it, um, I still think that much like what we say about dudding, dudding doesn't tell you anything. Dudding is just symptoms. Multiple things, multiple causes can have the same symptoms. So like, similarly, I think CHS, you know, the vomiting a lot, which is what hyperemesis is, can be caused by all kinds of things. It can be caused by taking too much THC perhaps, or like, you know, like having a bad reaction because you personally, you know, had too much for your system to handle. That's totally uh, valid. It could perhaps be because of pesticides. Absolutely. Pesticides, uh, you know, contaminated products can cause you to hyper, be hyperemetic. Um, food poisoning. I mean, there's poisoning, a lot of right? And you don't know, like you go to that, whatever, let's say fast food restaurant every single day. And then the one time it fucking gets you like there's some right. times, but I, I do believe that CHS exists and uh, sorry, but, not, not to cut you off. Oh, but no, but you're bullshit, totally right. But what's bullshit is if you go to a doctor's like a ER and you took a, lot, a large amount of edibles, they're going to tell you if you're over like, what is it? 15 micrograms or whatever, or 10 micrograms in your blood that you have hypermesis syndrome, regardless of whether or not simply because of the amount of micrograms uh, when they test you. So it's like they, they use that as a blind definition just because you mm-hmm. happen to take a lot of weed, but you might not have any issue at all. And, and I've, I've had them tell me that when I had blood work done about some other issues that I was dealing with at the time. And they told me, Oh, you need to cut back. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, no <laughs> yeah it's um i think that response is doctrinal i think that uh i think that medically they're like hospitals have like a doctrinal response to if somebody comes in with cannabis and they do this this is what we have to tell them kind of like if uh i, I mean why well, i live in california so maybe that's uh 
Californian thing. I know it's that not just California. Uh, it's bullshit. Tell them, Tao. What's the, what's the uh, theory there? You, you eat cannabis, you get younger, right? You're you're doing just fine with uh, what? Oh. I feel like <laughs> not not to like change topics too much. I want to bring Tao into the conversation and just bring bring up the fact that uh, Steve mentioned they were saying he had too much cannabis in his blood. But I feel like when Tao doesn't have a cookie and he's he gets cranky. I, I've been around him when he doesn't have enough trim to make his edibles. And I know enough people that use cannabis, if they don't get enough of it, it almost like uh, not to make us seem like addicts. I do think it's a medicine more than anything or even like a nutrient. So I just wanted to throw Tao in there and, and give you an option to uh, talk a little bit about maybe your thoughts on uh, having too much cannabis in your in your I system. think it, you should get as much in as possible because what if you don't have some at some point? At least it'll be in you for a few days. But um, more than that, like when you work hard and then the next day, if you eat an edible before you go to sleep, the next day you're ready, fresh, ready to go. I found that when I'm short on the edibles and don't have it for like a couple of days, I start feeling shit that I used to not feel ever. So that's one thing. And, um, you know, like if, if someone comes into the doctor hammered all the time, they might say, you know, you should cut down on the alcohol. So that's like an example of uh, maybe that like, uh, but, but yeah, there's not like the, uh, don't even get me started on the federal government. It's still scheduled and all that. It's just a no-brainer. That's why I am so suspect of the government because they knew this since like the 1930s that cannabis was the best substance in the world for your body, and they helped. They they just yeah did the opposite. But I don't want to digress. I want to say that for the paper we were referencing earlier, the fool's gold one. Uh, under the footnotes, I'm here on the uh, uh, NCBI. Um, research uh, or forum or where this is published one of the places I think under provenance under the footnotes it says for provenance and peer review it says commissioned internally peer reviewed so you know I don't I don't know necessarily if uh, this is getting you know a, a more wider uh, look at uh, some of the assessments here um, do you have his kids read it his colleagues hey, hey everybody i worked with on this what do you think about this yeah <laughs> good right those are the people yeah. at the halloween party they were all doing shrooms that night i'll, I'll give my student i'll give my students an a if they uh they read this speaking of things uh you know that are authoritative and wrong um you know apparently the dcc came back about the emerald cup uh, controversy and uh, they had the gall and temerity to say that uh, they didn't uh, they didn't conduct any confiscation at all which was uh, documented on video it was kind of sus when they had bagfuls of, of confiscated stuff and see-through bags that they were holding I mean yeah I really don't understand that response it's like door gifts it didn't happen <laughs> didn't happen those are door door prizes. The, the government's the government. What I've the little experience I have with the government, uh, they generally just change words and they call it something else. No, that's not confiscated. That was seized. That's what I thought. <laughs> you know, that's exactly what my first thought was. It was Is voluntarily it? given because they didn't know their rights, and we asked it for it, and they gave it to us. So, by technicality, yeah. we didn't break the law. It wasn't by force, right? Confiscation is what we do it by force, but uh, we just seized it, right? Yeah, I, I had the same sort of thought. It was like maybe they're using a technical definition of the word confiscation, um, but uh, yeah, I don't think that that's going to win any hearts or minds. 
on the metal. And this is loose flour in a bag that was being held and by concentrate. Oh, and maybe like he can go get products. it back then. Yeah, so they, they're either knowingly lying or yes, you know, there's no other thing, or they're they're trying to cover up for what their guys did. That's not a very good job covering up. I think no. very bad. See all of the above. Hey, this is a little totally off subject. Those guys kept any, it all. Did so anyone good, hear about those um, monkeys over in India that have uh-huh. killed a whole yeah. village of dogs? Yeah. And now they're going after the kids. Matthew, you heard about that? I didn't hear about the last part. I heard about the... Yeah. the the like, were the, so, was it like baboons or something? Um, I, I don't think it was baboons. I think it was a little bit smaller breed. Yeah, monkey. like a lesser monkey kind of. Yeah, like a smaller but simian. Some <laughs> sort of simian. But uh, yeah, they. I guess like so the story goes that uh, some dogs killed some baby simians monkey, and then they yeah. came back and they decided to just drag them off of buildings and things. And, and that's how they killed the dogs. And that and was they, um, so brutal. This is a. Not to change subject to something more positive, but Spartan Grown has to get going in about 15 minutes. So I want to give him a chance to uh, give his final thoughts and shout outs. Well, that's not positive either. We don't want Spartan to go. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) But he's going to plug the Michigan Bros. Grow Show where we get two more hours of fun content. (laughs) There's more. Thanks, Jack. Uh, Thanks, everybody on the panel. Thanks, chat. As always, this was a really nice, informative uh, show. I especially love the last 10 minutes myself. I always love to poke the government a little bit when I can. And, uh, you know, th- what's going to come out is their excuse is going to say it wasn't them. It wasn't us. That was somebody acting like us, but it wasn't us. So anyhow, <laughs> I just want to say, you know, happy holidays, everybody. I don't know when the show is going to be. So I'm just going to say happy holidays, cover all, all the holidays. And uh, I'll be on the Mission Bros Grow Show here starting about 15 minutes. So I'll catch you guys there. Cheers, Martin. Peace Peace to be a commercial. Peace out, like, Happy Peace. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa to you. Christmas. Best of us. Best of us. Cheers. But yeah, fuck the MCMA. I I was talking over him and he did say fuck the MCMA in case it wasn't clear because we all know fuck the MCMA. And uh, hopefully Michigan is able to keep fighting the good fight. So what were you, um, you you were going to make a point about this with the monkeys. Uh, No, it was more of a, just a question statement statement question if if you guys had heard about that uh um, sounds yeah, like a good brutal. part of a movie to me it, it's insane so it's a population of like four thousand people the monkeys went through the entire town and killed every dog puppy in the town like th- over 300 dogs gone it just seems a in little like off topic for, for our show. As, as in, interesting as the story is, it's a little grim and dark. And uh, I'm personally not that type of person who wants to spread more of this story out there. It's so unrelated to any. I thought there was going to be some cannabis tie in, but since there's not. What are you at smoking all, on, Cheddar Bob? Yeah, let's hear that. Uh, it's actually a land race from the town next to that one ah. in, in India. So there you go. That's how there's I was going to tie it in. That's right. <laughs> Which town is that? Uh, Ganjar Bri or something like that. Ganjar Bri, I think it was. Where did you get this Landrace cannabis from? I don't even remember. That's the best kind, right? Just shows up yeah. in your life. Like a mystery. Yeah. So, uh, Northern India, I think. 
So, so this is related to what we were saying earlier. Um, I did a little bit of a Google search and uh, cursory search has told, showed me a SoundCloud podcast. This is for the uh, BMJ Talk Medicine account where they talk about hypermesis syndrome with Oscar Armando Durantes. And in the description, they say that, um, I think this is the Journal of Investigative Medicine podcast, editor-in-chief Richard McCallum speaks with Oscar Armando Durantes, an archaeologist and alumnus of San Diego State University. Durantes has experience as DEA witness in medical marijuana cases and won the first medical marijuana case in the U.S. military when he was a member of the U.S. Army Preventative Medicine Network in 1999. So that's interesting. That is an it's interesting, interesting that he's an archaeologist making these fucking medical claims about <laughs> hypermesis. That's, that's interesting. And the fact that, that he's on BMJ makes sense because the link uh, Steve Potemonix sent earlier in the Zoom chat is from jim.bmj.com. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that was the original link to the article that he shared earlier. Yeah, so I haven't looked at this, but uh, maybe he has something legitimate. I don't want to be um, too out of hand here, but I just don't see how it is. So I'm curious to learn more. I love that people have out of the box thinking and, and theories. I just think that there's very limited because I've looked into a lot of the cannabis research, medical, uh, positive and negative, And I try to be as objective as possible as as much as I know I have a clear bias. I'm a fan of cannabis. I think that it helps me and many others. But it's interesting to see if there's well done science that's making claims to look into them and and be fair about it because everything kind of has some drawback at some point. But um, from his personal background and the limited number of references that I saw directly relating to a connection between those two things, like the whole correlation is not causation thing is a great thing to bring up. So maybe they found some correlations, but that doesn't mean that there's a cause. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, sometimes research is wrong and sometimes uh, the speculative stuff doesn't pan out. I feel like that's what's going to happen, but uh, the intellectually honest answer is, um, you know, maybe we'll see another bit of research on it, but I, I don't think so. Uh, the chances, I mean, yeah, the viroid would have to have some sort of effect. I mean, he was, he's stating that the lack of uh, trichomes or, or wax or whatever, you know, makes the plant more um, of an accumulator of certain problematic compounds and that those are causing it. So in a way, he's actually making the same argument that we are. Um, he's just saying that the viroid makes it more problematic. But um, I don't think you can make much product with a stunted out cannabis plant a lot of the time. Sometimes it's even not symptomatic. So, I mean... It's just a weird, it's a weird thing to say. And I think that's probably all I should. um... And then to also say, oh, it also might be that pesticides more readily absorb into it. And then pesticide related, that would mean that it's not cannabis related. It's more of a pesticide problem, not a cannabis problem, which that's that's been an issue with a number of other things. I mean, there are hundreds or thousands of products that you shouldn't and cannot spray on cannabis because they're dangerous and uh, cause problems for humans to consume. So I think it's a interesting to bring up, but I, I don't think that there is a lot of weight that'll be held to that behind that paper. That that's just my unprofessional opinion, but mm-hmm. we'll see if it stands Mine the test too. of time. Mine too. Yeah, but thanks for bringing that up, Steve. Um, <laughs> that is an interesting topic to to bring up. I don't think a lot of people were talking about it. So I'm curious to change topics a little bit for the last few minutes, uh, just to update from Tao because I know things in New York. I, I was my wife was just watching something called like Cannabis or something on 
TV in the other room when I walked over to grab my sweatshirt and they were talking about the legalization in New York. So I'm curious if you have any kind of thoughts or updates on things, how have things been going over there and, and what's it actually look like? Well, like, yeah, like um, when, after they announced it, you could smoke cannabis anyway, you could smoke cigarettes in New York. So that just, the whole city smells like marijuana. So, which is awesome. And yeah, they've, they've been having uh, pop-up events everywhere. You're allowed to have uh, three ounces on you at all times. So no one's bothered these pop-up events that I've noticed so far. There's people in like Washington Square Park to put up a table and have jars and people come, uh, you know, get shit. So, uh, but in the real legality of it all, the first thing that the new governor did after Cuomo got kicked out was um, she pushed for medical patients to be able to grow their own. And if they couldn't, they could get a caregiver, which could grow that for them, which is awesome. But if you if you're a caregiver and get another patient, that only ups your plant count to one more plant. For some reason, they chose that. Yeah, you said that. But I think they they it, feel like oh, one plant per person. They just assume that that's going right. to be enough. But it's, but it's um, but that's how they're doing. That, it wasn't set in stone yet. I actually have to go look at the updates because it's getting close to the they had like a sixty day uh, commentary period or whatever so that's what was happening with that and then you're not like normal people aren't supposed to be growing rec weed until after they open dispensaries for at least a year is what the original wording was but as they go through they they uh she commissioned this ocb i think it's called a i actually i should know more but a, a cannabis board basically it's going to make the, the rules so they're going to change the wording and you know go step by step so that's where it's at right now Make, but nobody's bothering comments. anybody. The cops are like, probably they didn't want to bother with it to begin with. So <clears throat> I've heard that from a lot of police forces and, and the NYPD in particular, before things changed that they didn't want to deal with that. Most of the time, cannabis people were peaceful. And um, oftentimes it was more of like a cash grab, like when they were doing raids and things like that. But it's good to hear that they are actually respecting the law because sometimes when things change, they don't know. Uh, exactly how it changed. Now it just seems like it's so open that they don't necessarily have any methods to go after you. And so they're not going to. And that's a beautiful thing. So big change in New York because for many, many years, it was quite a big problem for people over there. And I'm curious what it'll do to value of the plant and availability. Hopefully more patients have access because if they're already talking about needing to have the right to home grow for medical people, I don't know if they have like a 10, you know, medical things list or if it's pretty easy to get on to the medical, but uh, it's definitely a step in the right direction. So I'm really yeah, happy. They have, we've had medical for quite a while now and uh, they've been continually getting a little more lax with that too. At first it was no flour. Then they had this crazy thing where it was just ground flour. And I thought it was because if you get pulled over, like if you got buds, they know it's not from the medical dispensary, but like that didn't make sense. So they now they have like anything, I guess you could have you get buds now too. <clears throat> but um, and yeah, it's just like anywhere else. If you got 150 bucks, you probably get a medical card from somebody. You know what I'm saying? It's all about the money. So same thing here in New York. They want the money want for sure. Money. But the one thing I wanted to say um, before we go into our final thoughts and shout outs is, if you can. Uh, call and write because oftentimes when they get that letter, they're not going to remember like that. It's you in particular. They're going to think two people reached out to them uh, asking for, you know, home growers rights or whatever it is that's important to you in your state and in, in New York in particular, just making sure like 
hey, you know, in this comments, I think that instead of doing one extra plant per person, maybe we should go on like square footage or amount of weight that I can harvest or whatever it is, something that you think that's more logical, give them an idea, maybe even go in and, you know, knock on one of these people's doors and, and talk to them face to face if you're able to, because uh, you can make the difference and, you know, make positive change for um, like, we, we talked a little bit about last week, Dennis Perone and some of the people in California, how they kind of set the stage and uh, hoping to reach out to those guys to get, get them on and uh, talk a little bit more about how it happened. So hopefully we can inspire more positive change for states that are legalizing and trying to do it properly because sometimes it doesn't necessarily go that well, um, but each state has their own ways of doing things. So we'll hopefully be able to influence it at least some small amount to benefit all the cannabis users and uh, growers out there. With that said, I want to give my guests that joined us so uh, great graciously tonight the first chance to do their shout out. So first, I'll start with Steve of Potent Ponics. Hey, uh, you can find me at the Growing With Fishes podcast on your favorite podcast app. Um, we actually uh, hit over a million views on YouTube this year, which was super cool. And we had, a, um, yeah, just a, a bigger year than we've had before. So that was a lot of fun. Um, you can also find me on um, uh, Instagram, Poponics, um, or uh, if you're interested in the class that I teach, you can check that out over apmjclass.com. Thank you so much for joining us. And that's pretty badass. A million views. It's a lot of fucking views. So congratulations. It comes with a lot of hard work and great content being put out there. I, I'm some of those million views. I've been a lot of them, maybe a thousand or something. I've watched lots of those videos. So uh, I contributed to the, the total, but there's a great community behind it. And we're thankful that you joined ours this evening. Uh, thanks again. And next up, we got Cheddar Bob. Hey, um, I am Cheddar Bob. You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, and Cannabuzz. And that's Cheddar Bob with two T's, not D's. Um, and I have like 47 views. So I have a ways to, to go um, to catch up. See. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's uh, that's me. You're not you. I think everyone's fairly familiar with me at this point. You never know. We always get new listeners every show. It's surprising, but uh, there are new people out there that come each week. So uh, cheers to them. And thank you for listening. And uh, you'll know Cheddar Bob for being one of those guys who's into that whole avocado tech slash, you know, fruit drop theory, all that good stuff. Yeah. So cheers to you and all the crew up over there in Maine. Uh, next never up, we got know. Weed Never Killed Kenny, formerly Kenny Biss. Thanks for joining us for the first time. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Uh, it's been fun. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, I got a YouTube channel, working on it, uh, but I got to start somewhere. Um, I do join uh, Fumador and the Flavor Show um, every once in a while. Um, so does Potent Phonics. Um, I'm one of those viewers too potent. So, <laughs> um, Other than that, like I said, Instagram and YouTube. Everybody have a great day. It's great having you. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh... Next up, we got Oki Grower. Oki, you're oh, you you got the mute button. There we go. Oh, hey, yeah. Uh, appreciate you guys letting me come on. Uh, hey, find me on Instagram at Oki Grower. That's about it, really. I like it. Short and simple. Thank you so much for joining us and showing off some of the garden. It was a uh, great having you and. Always appreciate any of the listeners who are willing to show off the garden or even just come on and talk a little bit. Uh, so thank you to all the guests who joined us this week. And next up, we've got Matthew Gates. Yeah, I'm totally with you, Cheddar Bob. Sometimes I'm like, 
Uh, should I say the same thing over and over again? I guess the big thing is to mix it up. So uh, for those who don't know, I am Matthew Gates. I uh, write at the Skunk Magazine. I'm a staff writer there. I own a consulting group, Sentinel Consulting. That's me. Uh, and I help people out with their cannabis and other crop problems. And uh, if you're interested in some of the research and plant health topics that I like to divulge, you can find a lot of that information on my Xenthanol YouTube channel, where you can, again, find that Viroid intro, as well as on my Instagram and Twitter at SyncAngel, where I share a lot of really heady and informative uh, research about plant health, physiology, uh, pest dynamics, and things like that. So check it out, and uh, I'm sure you'll learn something very interesting. And Absolutely. Matthew, I'm, I'm going to jump in real quick. Matthew also has a Patreon um, I subscribe to it. I suggest everyone listening, go subscribe to it. He has a bunch of additional information that on there that he doesn't always give away for free on all of these shows. Um, you know, $1 a month, $12 a year, less than your coffee costs. Um, and helps him out for all the, the, the wonderful information he gives us. So I'm done. And as a fellow fellow content creator, I will say even just like a buck or whatever it is here and there, it just makes me more like, oh shit, somebody paid. Now I've got to put out more content or like better content and uh, do something, you know, good and beneficial to the community. So it, it just makes it easier to sit down and dedicate that time and uh, definitely appreciate all that you do for the community. Matthew, you put out amazing content and continue to do so. So uh, the back yeah. catalog is amazing, but uh, I, I agree if you can, uh, even just $1 a month, support on Patreon. And last, I guess, I think everybody's already done there. So last and certainly not least myself, uh, Jack Greenstock, as you see behind me here on the logo, as I lean off to the side, you can find me on Instagram where I haven't posted very much recently, but I'll probably get back into that soon. Once I start growing again and post some of the older growths that I didn't post yet. Also on Twitter, Jack underscore Greenstock. Um, you can email me if you'd like Jack Greenstock 47 at gmail.com. If you want a copy of the book, 50 strains of green, you can go to 50 strains.com. But with that said, it's a great week. Thank you everybody for joining the guests and the regular panelists and everybody who listened both live here on YouTube and Yo, afterwards. Peace out everyone. Peace and love. Growers love for Dr. MJ and uh, also big shout out to Predicative Breeding, Kyle Breeder, uh, Aaron the Grower, uh, ATG Acres, uh, Noah the Grower, Noah the Grower, who didn't get to join us this uh, week. And I think Russ Brandon, who also uh, joined us earlier, had to leave. So thank you to all of them and uh, peace out y'all. See you.